Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning. Welcome to CEO Exclusive Radio, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. On today's show, I am delighted to have with me Michael Bull of Bull Realty, one of the largest commercial real estate companies in the Atlanta area. Welcome, Michael. Sony, thank you for having me. Great. So, Michael, I always start the show by asking my CEO guests, what are the trends in your industry or area of expertise that you think other CEOs need to know? So, being in commercial real estate, I know that that's of great interest to our listeners. So tell us what's happening and what you expect for 2016. Well, it's a great question. And I think uh, what's on the minds of a lot of CEOs today is recruiting and uh, retention. You know, that war for talent, I think, as the economy's improved, uh, CEOs are more conscious of of hiring and getting the right people. And I think they've a lot of them have realized that their location and the look of their office and uh, the prestige of it uh, and how it's set up is very important to recruiting and retention. I and mean, if you look at the typically the most expensive thing for any company is their people, right? And if you have the people in the wrong spot, uh, you know, that, that can hurt you. So I think the CEOs have really learned that it's more than just getting the best deal on your real estate. It's really thinking through your business operations long term and short term and making sure you get the you have the right location. And how is this? intersect with the the growth of millennials in the workplace. I imagine that the needs of millennials in terms of the work environment and what they're looking for in an office space are very different than maybe other demographics. How is how is that playing out? Well, that's very interesting because, you know, the millennials um, are a big part of recruiting for a lot of companies today. And and there's some there's been a people more people in less space, right? So companies have, especially from the downturn, trying to save cost, and they're having more people in less square footage, putting people closer together, going with more open and collaborative environments. Um, and just lately, we've seen some pushback around the country and around Atlanta, where some companies are realizing, look, maybe if we have people too close, uh, we have HR issues, we have health issues, uh, we have noise issues. And as the recruiting situation has become more important to a lot of companies are kind of rethinking that. So uh, it's very important to have an environment and a location that does attract the kind of employees that you want. So if you if you want those that age group, you need to be in locations where they want to work, right? You don't want to be out in the Norcross somewhere if you're trying to get techies to work for you. You better be in the right location or it's going to be hard to recruit them. Mm. And how is the the advent or the growth of virtual offices and virtual workspaces or flex time and things like that affecting the the market for commercial real estate from what you've seen? Well, it's part of why there's more employees within less square footage. Uh, there's more we space uh, than my space in, in your office space today. Uh, because there are people that are sharing offices. There are people who are working from home uh, a lot of the time and then coming in and when they need to collaborate. Uh, then there's more use of technology. There's less hardwired computers and phones and, and more wireless technology in the offices today. Mm. As you mentioned, the moving and the shifting demographics in terms of, terms of where people want to work, are you seeing... Uh, and what are you seeing in terms of companies moving back inside at the 
the perimeter of Atlanta? Well, some of the hot areas in Atlanta have been uh, Midtown and Buckhead and the perimeter market, you know, where we are today. Uh, those those areas have been very hot, and we've seen really uh, the strongest rental increases in the Atlanta office market than we've seen ever before. There's been a real lack of, of new construction around Atlanta for new office space. And um, so a lot of companies are getting rate shock, you know, where they're, they leased their space three years ago, five years ago, what have you. They get back in the market and expect to, to see somewhat what they saw before as far as incentives and rental rates, and it's much different. Um, you need to start very early uh, in the planning process and understand that your rent uh, may go up significantly uh, than what you've been paying in the past. Well, let's uh, our, our listeners tend to like specifics. Mm-hmm. So tell us some specific percentages. What What kinds of rate increases are you seeing? What do you expect in 2016 and how early should people start? Good questions. And I think depending on the size of the space you need and the location where you want to be, right? So if you want to be in in the perimeter Midtown or Buckhead market, we've seen increases as much as uh, 10% over the last couple of years, uh, maybe 10% the couple of years before that. So you may have a 20% increase in your rent than you had before. You also may have received some incentives before with some free rent and things that you might not get today. So it really depends on where you're going to be and the size of your office. And it also will determine how soon in advance you should start considering your space options. So even if you think that you're going to renew where you are, you need to go out and look at the options. Uh, If nothing else, maybe you can negotiate a better deal with your tenant, I mean, with your landlord now. And I would start looking 18 months uh, before I have to give notice to next exercise a lease renewal or to move. Now, if you're a larger user, you know, if you use over uh, 20,000 square feet, I would start probably 24 to 28 months in advance. So depending on the size of your company, um, then I would look sooner. Now, there's a lot of brokers uh, like us who specialize in helping companies with space that you can establish a relationship with which will look at your leases, review your leases, and help you understand the timeframes, uh, give you notices, and help you stay on track of when you should start looking at options. Because there's a lot to uh, a move and a renewal uh, that's important to a company that, you know, you get busy running your company and you don't think about. You know, it kind of slips your mind. You're, you're doing it, doing it, doing it, right? And you forget uh, how important the space is. And all of a sudden, your landlord calls you to renew your lease, and you don't have any other options. And you have to pay what they want you to pay or your business is going to be disruptive because you weren't prepared. It's the number one mistake. It's a great question you ask because it's the number one mistake that the companies make is waiting too late and not knowing that, uh, you know, they think, well, I need space. Maybe I can do it in six months. That's not enough time. You know, we talk about the, you know, going out and, and finding the right properties. First of all, you, you, your tenant rep interviews you about your company. Find out what you're going to, what's your, what's your plans. Interview your top people. Get an understanding of your company, where you're going, where your industry's going, what your rent to revenue ratios are for your competitors based on yours. You don't want to be paying a lot more rent than your, your next competitor, right? Um, and, and figuring out what's important to you. And then you start looking at all the opportunities. Then you create a short list. Then you go visit those short lists. Then you start looking at the the math on the short list. You start looking at the attributes of the short list and what those 
locations are going to do for your business. Uh, and then you start negotiating on the short list. Then you, when you finalize a, an LOI letter of intent with or proposal with one of those spaces, then it takes some time to negotiate your lease. That could take two, four, six weeks. Then you start to build out process, you know, the planning of that. That could take an, another four weeks, depending on the size. Then you have permitting. Then you have construction, which may take another two months. So right. the sooner you start, the better. It's interesting because commercial real estate is is such an important part of the the Georgia economy. Um, we were disproportionately hit uh, by the recession because a lot of Atlanta um, economic activity is tied to real estate. Do you have a sense of where we are in the cycle right now? Yes, and it depends on the type of property, right? So. Let's break them down. So if you yeah. want to go real right. residential. So, so if you're talking about institutional quality assets, large core properties uh, that institutions buy, we're probably at the very top of the market. We're seeing cap rates as low as 4%, 5%, uh, even as low as 3% on some high class A multifamily investment properties. So we're probably at the top of the market or nearing the top of the market on some of those assets. Um at least now and for the next couple of years at the top of the market. If you look at some of the the B product or the smaller properties, we may have some more time to improve uh, as smaller companies start to do more hiring, uh, start to lease up some of the smaller office space, smaller flex space. Uh, and then you look at the different pockets. So some of the different areas of Atlanta, there's some that are still distressed. Okay, There's still foreclosures you can buy. So it really depends on the pocket, uh, the submarket, and type of property. But certainly, there's a lot of talk around the country that we could be at the top of the market uh, with these low low cost of money, a lot of demand nationally, internationally to invest in commercial real estate. Um, so there's a lot of money in the market chasing uh, yield. So there's a lot of talk that we could be at the top of the market. A lot of it depends on how high interest rates increase and how soon. Mm. Yeah. So as uh, CEOs may be thinking about leasing versus buying um, and, you know, to the extent that anybody can time, time the market, uh, what, is your, what are your thoughts about how they should time the, the decision of when to look for a lease, when to time their lease, three-year, five-year, et cetera, et cetera, um, b- buying versus, versus leasing, et cetera? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And I think as a CEO of a operation company, you know, non-real estate investment company, you really want to focus on your business, number one, when it comes to the timing and when it comes to lease first purchase, right? Because like I, um, my corporate office, I lease. Well, I'm a big proponent of owning real estate. I own another office building where my office was located. We outgrew it. So when we outgrew it, I was looking for a building that would be great for our business, for our clients, for our brokers. And it wasn't available. So the, the most important thing was to get my business where it needs to be. And so, you know, we have a, a great office and we're a tenant. Um, so I think, you number one, want to think about that. Now, in some cases where uh, you can find the right property to buy that's right for your business, then owning's fantastic. You know, we have very low interest rates. In some pockets, the prices are still below replacement costs. Some of these office condos and some of these submarkets, you know, it costs probably $150 a foot on average to, to build an office condo, a low-end one, uh, higher for a nicer one. And there's some you can get below 100 a foot still in some pockets. So if it fits your business, I'd very much consider 
uh, the option of buying properties right now because it's interesting. You know, you can be running a business and time flies by when you're paying bills, right? I mean, you're you're sitting there running that business and all of a sudden five years have gone by, 10 years have gone by. And if you did buy something, if it was right for your firm to buy, um, you know, you've created some equity. You've paid down some principal. Uh, and we've sold some buildings for business owners where they come and say, you know what, this was a windfall. You know, I bought because I was tired of my rent going up or being asked to move. I wanted to control my environment. And I kind of did it kicking and screaming because I realized I get a better return invested in my business and real estate. But wow, what a windfall because I just increased my lifestyle on my business's income. And this was like a savings account. I didn't realize I'd be creating so much equity here when it was time to sell the business or sell the real estate. Mm. Um, One thing I'm curious about is your thoughts mm. on on vanity versus uh, purpose. So some folks, when they're looking for a piece of real estate, they want that class A building, you know, with the view, et cetera, et cetera, because they believe that that's going to um, present the right image to their clients. Um, some CEOs think, well, you know, that may be costing more than it's worth, and I should save that money and deploy those resources into marketing or other other areas of the business. How How do you think about that decision? Well, that's a good thing to think about because... You want to think about it in terms of your clients. You want to think about it in terms of your employees and how important is that. And you also want to look at the what your other um, competitors are doing. You know, where are they located? What are they paying? And as we mentioned before, you don't want to be paying, you know, $40 a foot when your competitor is paying $20 a foot all in. And he can undercut bids uh, if you're in a bid process type business. And so you want to understand what's kind of normal for your business. A good tenant rep like us uh, has that information. And we know what your competitors are paying. Uh, We know what their offices look like. We can walk in and look at them. Maybe you can't, uh, but we can. And that's part of what a good tenant rep does uh, for a client. And, you know, and when I've asked questions of people around the country that run businesses and, and that are in the commercial real estate businesses about the number two mistake that companies make, it's not having a tenant rep, thinking they can go it alone. Uh, and, you know, they make mistakes. Um, and it, it's imperative that you, you start early and that you have someone that does it every day, um, that they're going to think of things that you don't know is important when you sign that lease today. You might know in five years wow, I'm glad that was in my lease. Mm. So, You mentioned two mistakes that, um, that you see made. What are, what are some others? Well, I think uh, some others might be just not understanding the long-term implications you know, of your space and thinking about what your business may do in the future. Might you need to contract? Uh, might you need to expand? And what type of space do you need to look at in that situation? We've got some industrial clients where tenants where we know that they need room to grow. So when we're looking at space, we need to find space where they can expand. Maybe there's some um, the sites large enough that the landlord can build build on and add more space. Um, thinking about the flexibility, let's say you might need to contract, then you may want to pay more attention up front on your options to get out of that lease if you need to, if because you need to grow or because you need to contract or your location needs to change. And, you know, sublease rights, um, use rights can, so in case of retail, 
You know, what can I sell there and not sell there? What can I do there and not do there? So having the flexibility where you can move and understanding the implications of real estate on your business would, would say would be a, kind of a third one that is a big mistake that people should avoid. Mm. I want to turn the conversation in a slightly different direction. So you founded your your company um, and you made it through the recession in real estate <laughs> um, and things are you know starting to pick up and get a little bit better. But I would love to hear your experience running a real estate business during the recessionary period. Yeah, and it was tough. Oh, nine, um, the sales for business companies like mine was down 90% in 09 around the country. So there was a big <laughs> loss of revenue, right? And, you know, I think, and we didn't cut any salaries. We didn't lay off anyone. We actually made a profit in the worst year of 09. Now, it wasn't enough profit, uh, but we made a profit. So we're really pleased with that. And I think, you know, what we did was really, when we saw the downturn coming, we didn't know how bad it was would be. You know, I'm not suggesting I knew that. But I knew it was coming. Absolutely knew it was coming. So we prepared a lot as far as marketing our business, contacting clients, uh, being ready for the downturn. You know, we're not developers. We don't own properties. But we help developers. We help companies. So it wasn't like we owned a lot of real estate and had a lot of debt. Uh, our business just adjusts. So now we're helping companies get out of leases. We're helping companies negotiate leases to reduce their occupancy costs. You mean during 09? Da- yeah, during 09 and, and those years around there. Or we're helping investors do short sales on their commercial properties. Or we're working for banks, selling the banks or, uh, properties. We're selling the notes, discounted notes. So we knew it was changing. So we also did a lot of advertising and marketing in, in advance of it so that we would be well-known. And we we established great relationships with the banks before the, the banks even knew they were going to have a problem. We'd call on them and, uh, about their special assets and O-R-E-O, and, and my brokers would say, well, they don't know what special assets are. I said, well, they're going to know. So <laughs> <laughs> keep calling them, right? Uh, so I think just just marketing well and, and uh, providing great service and Understanding the changes coming up in your business is what helped us through it. And, and really, we grew. We grow when people look real hard at how their property is actually going to be marketed. One of the services that we provide is selling commercial real estate and land. And when somebody looks at what we actually do compared next to our competitors, we do real well. So in a market where they have to be more concerned about the market, we grow. So we grew in the downturn. 09 was tough, but after that, we grew. So, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as it might seem for us. Mm. I know. So I'm a strategist. So I'm very interested mm. in, your, in your thought process and how you went about planning, planning for that. How long did it take for you to figure out what you were going to do to pivot? Because there must have been a moment when you were like, okay, like, so how, how soon did you know, you know, that things were going to start going south? And then how long did it take for you to start to put your plan together for how you're going to pivot? Well, I've been in business for, I just call it 30 years now, because 30 years is enough. <laughs> <laughs> you look great, so don't worry about it. <laughs> if you start saying, yeah, I've been in business 35 years, you know, got to be careful. I might put a red suit on you and put you in the corner giving out presents at the next party. But, uh, <laughs> you don't have a big enough belly for that. Or a beard. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, when you're at a cocktail party, and everyone there is talking about 
the the houses and condos they're buying and the 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 contracts they're flipping, you know a downturn's coming. Uh, the writing's on the wall uh, when that kind of talk is going on. So you know I knew it was coming. I've been through several um, downturns before, and I knew it was coming. Um, you know, so you know the way. So we started preparing. You know probably two years before. I mean we were very concerned about it. Uh, you know, it, for our years. clients, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know one of the things that we do is we estimate what your return on the property is going to be, what you're going to sell it for when you sell it. So we have to do exit strategy discussions. So exit cap rates is what we call it. So if you're getting a seven percent return, cash on cash return when you buy it, if you pay out cash, it's called a seven cap. Well, we have to estimate the cap when you sell it. So when we knew the downturn was coming, we have to estimate those cap rates. So we're always looking ahead in our business for our clients, whether they're investors or they're CEOs, they're operating companies, we need to look at the future. So, you know, that's probably why we saw it is because that's part of our practice. Mm. So two years out, you were seeing that things were, you were like, oh my goodness, you know? Uh, And you said you didn't know how bad it was going to get, but you knew that something was going to happen. And so... How did you how did you figure out what did you wanted wanted to do to pivot? Well, we started doing a lot of marketing. Um, so to make sure that the, the clients and the banks and everyone knew who we were, knew the services we provide. Um, so we really ramped up our uh, uh, budget for getting out to clients and making sure they knew who we were. So we were spending more money in that regard because it was before the downturn, it was kind of the go-go days in our business. I mean, there was a lot of velocity and um, a lot of people buying and, and selling. So, uh, you know, we we just took out uh, a lot of profit and spent money on marketing the business because we knew we needed an upper edge when the downturn came to survive. How do you know what to do, though? Because you could have kept doing, if I miss, maybe, because you started doing different things, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't just market the same set of services. You started looking at special assets, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. How did you know what to move into? Well, because I've been through downturns before, you know, I knew that, you know, there's a couple areas or three main areas, I guess, that I knew our clients would need us. You know, one is our, the companies that we help with their space needs. They may need to try to renegotiate their lease. Uh, sometimes referred to blend and extend. So uh, if you've got a three years left on your lease, you're hitting some troubled times. But you feel comfortable about the long-term aspects of your business. You can go to your, your landlord and say, look, what if I signed a seven-year lease? Could you give me a break over the next year? Um, and because landlords and their investors, their lenders, people may be buying their property one day, like long-term leases. There's more value in investment properties with a longer lease. So we knew there was an area with our, our clients who run businesses that we were helping them with their lease, maybe subleasing, uh, whatever it was there. And then with our investors who may have been over leveraged on their investment properties, we knew then we, we might need to help them renegotiate terms with their, uh, with their mortgage brokers, with their banks, with their lenders. Um, and so we knew that was coming up. So we got prepared to do that. And then the third one was you know, working for the banks and servicers and the lenders to help them uh, work through short sales and workouts with their borrowers. And if they eventually had to foreclose on the property, uh, to help them handle that, uh, manage that asset and sell it. Okay. So. And 
Another interesting point is that you said that the majority of folks in your industry didn't take that approach, right? They were off by like 90%, I think you said. What is it that you think made you disciplined enough to not, because a lot of people are still irrational, right? During the go-go days, even if they can see the end coming, um, they kind of don't adjust. They just kind of enjoy the excess profit or, you know, get swept up in the irrationality. What was it that you thought, you think made you disciplined enough? survival. <laughs> you know, I just, I think we wanted to survive and, and, and that I've realized in any downturn in my history, uh, we've always grown. And uh, that when the, when it's, business is tough, you know, people look harder at who they're working with. And so we realized that's a good time for us to grow our business, right? If business is great and, and you own property and it's time for you to sell it, for example, you can do it with your college buddy or whomever. But if you've got to answer to your your uh, investors or your partners uh, about it about it because the market has some equilibrium in it or it's a down distressed market, now you're now you're real concerned about who's marketing, it, how are they actually doing it, and so that helps us because our process to sell property is strong, and we do it the way you'd want to do it if you were a seller. You know, you look at the way we do it, it's like all right, that's how I want it done. I don't want it done these other two ways, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So awesome. And turning to 2016, um, do you have some expectations for what you what, what do you expect coming up in, in the year in terms of office office rents? Um, you know, if you said we're at the, the tip of the or the top of the cycle, you know, if you were going to open a crystal crystal ball or maybe using some of those analyses you just mentioned, do you right. have a sense of how how much longer it's going to last? Right. So if I run a company. Um, I would be thinking about uh, rental rates in Atlanta continuing to rise. Uh, I would try to have as long a lease as possible uh, for my space if it's the right space. Um, I would try to uh, get ahead of the marketplace as far as doing any uh, renewals, extensions. Um, I would think about if it, if it makes sense to, to buy from my business. Uh, look at that opportunity now while interest rates are so low. Um, so as a business owner... I would think about that you're going to have higher rent and then you need to be prepared for that. Getting out early for and looking at your options. Uh, have Hire a consultant, a tenant rep that understands your business, understands Atlanta, that can get out there and share with you what's going on in advance. If I'm an investor and I own commercial real estate, I would look at how long I think I want to own that property, right? So if I'm going to own that property 10 years, I probably don't need to do anything. Um, if if I think I might want to sell it in the next three to five years, might want to consider selling it now uh, before interest rates rise, while there's so much demand in the marketplace, while there's great exuberance about the uh, real estate market and economy, uh, because it can change pretty quickly. There's already some talk um, about a possible bubble, a to- some talk about maybe at the top of the market. So if I own any kind of investment property, apartments, uh, land, uh, commercial properties, I'd be considering selling it right now. Um, land is it's a great time to sell. It's starting to get a little tougher for land because of uh, increased construction prices. Uh, the labor part of construction has really increased a lot in the last year or two and is expected to continue to increase. There's not enough labor around Atlanta to, in the construction industry. Uh, so those prices are really going up. So when the labor costs go up to build on a, on a site, 
the value of the property will go down. So I would look at uh, all your holdings right now and consider how long you're going to own them and uh, if you should make some moves on them. Hmm. You mentioned that times are good, hmm. uh, a number of um, number of instances. What are some other things that CEOs can do to take advantage of in, in real estate, to take advantage of the good times? Well, as far as related to their, their real estate, you know, if they own properties, you know, one is uh, look at your financing right now. You know, look at the loans that you have on your properties and see if it's time to refinance. Lenders are have really been increasing their commercial real estate uh, in their portfolios. Um, they like commercial real estate. And you know what the best commercial real estate they like? Owner-occupied, just like residential. They love owner-occupied. And you can really get some good deals from some of the local lenders. And uh, I would go to the top three or four or five local lenders, call someone like us who knows who to contact, and 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 shop it. Let, tell them what you want and, and get your financing ready now before interest rates start climbing, uh, before maybe we get at the top of the market and some banks get, are less interested in real estate. The Fed's already giving some advice to, to lenders uh, over some concern about commercial real estate, um, over building and things in some pockets. Um, so, you know, when their regulators start uh, pushing on them, it can change the market. So I would look at financing right now. Mm. So just to take things back to, to your personal cases, um, you know, mm-hmm. the leader of Bull Realty, um, I, you're one of the largest commercial real estate companies in the city of Atlanta. Um, how, if you're, as you're you know, talking to or thinking about CEOs and listeners who are looking to grow their business and take share and do some of the things that you've done, what are your top recommendations for CEOs who are looking to take share, establish themselves in the market and, and grow to be the largest player in their, in their industry? Well, you know, looking at it the way we did it is my company was created because I wanted to work at a company that was known for high integrity and for providing the best disposition marketing services in the country. So I really didn't want to run a company. (laughs) I didn't want to own one. And I was a very successful broker. I focused mainly on selling apartment complexes back then. And the way my friends in the industry did it, I didn't think had a lot of integrity. You know, if somebody hires you, engages you, to sell their property and to sell it for the most that it can be sold for, then there's a proper way to do that using using the power of supply and demand to market it properly. I didn't think my friends in the industry were doing it the way I'd want my property sold. So I felt like I had to start my own company. So we focused on integrity, treating our clients' business the way we'd want our business uh, done. Also uh, handling all the other people in a transaction the way we'd want to be treated. Um, so we concentrate on those two things, and I think that's that's helped us a lot. You know, we're always making a lot of decisions in business and in commercial real estate, and that that impact our employees and our clients. And if you and what we do is think about, well, if we make a decision based on what we'd want done if we were the client, um, and then and then providing the best services in the nation, we'll make the right decisions. So we, d- we uh, work very heavily on having the right resources and tools um, so that we can help our clients make great decisions. Um, and we have excellent training 
So we make sure that anyone that, that associates with the public or the commercial real estate people or companies from our firm is extremely well educated and has the right tools and resources. It's amazing the tools that if you spend enough money uh, that you can have in commercial real estate to know what's going on, what's happening, what are the, the trends for occupancy, what are the trends for rental rates um, in any submarket, in any building. Uh, so you can really help make help people make great decisions. So we concentrated on the client um, and what's right for them and, and, and concentrate less on our bottom line because if we concentrate on the clients, then our bottom line works out fine. Hmm. I'm always curious. So words like integrity, that's a very big word. And um, companies like Enron and, um, <laughs> you know, some others also had integrity as being one of their core values, <laughs> right? How, how do you go about driving it down from, you know, this would be really nice and I want to start a company that, you know, has integrity, to actually having it change the behavior of the people, your brokers and the people who are interacting with your, your customers? Well, you know, that's a, a good point that you, you, you touch on there because I think sometimes as a CEO, I think that all my people understand our core mission, that they understand the two main things that drive our business. And what I found is I have to just repeat it over and over and over and over. It can't, the mission and key points for our clients in a business can't be in a book that's opened once. Um, so we talk about it a lot. So we do extensive training um, and extensive discussions about, you know, about integrity, you know, and, and, we don't wear it on our sleeve. Uh, I think, you know, when somebody wears something like that on their sleeve, you know, watch out. <laughs> and, you know, uh, integrity realty, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, watch out, you know. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I think if you're really living it and the CEO is is making decisions and, and, and leading as an example, uh, I think that's you know, one of the ways to do it. Mm. And repeat it a lot. Yeah. Oh, a lot more than you think, you know, because you think they know. And, you know, so a lot of times I'll test and I'll ask my folks key questions and I'll say, don't answer it. Give me a show of hands who knows the answer. And sometimes I'm real surprised. I mean, I've told you the guys this hundred times and there's some of you that don't get it. You just have to keep repeating it. Hmm. The other thing that you mentioned, you know, is important in your practice is using data to drive your decisions. Um, and to tr- and to drive how you advise your clients, which is which is important to me in my practice as well. How do you how do you go about using data when somebody comes to you with um, a concern or an issue, or you're trying to help them find just the right space for them? H- how do you go about using that that data and market intelligence to drive your advi- your advisory services of them? Well, it depends on who they are and what they're doing. But if I take an example of say a um, healthcare practice. And then, you know, we use demographics, um, we use drive time. It's almost like a retail location. We look at the age of the population. Uh, we look at the income of the population. We look at their competitors and we map them. Um, and, um, and we can do this, and we've been doing this for a long time in retail, uh, where we do retail gap analysis, uh, where we can figure out, look, you can, there's an opening to sell ladies' clothes in this area because uh, there's more ladies that are, that are buying them than there are stores, right? So, so depending on the business, if it's retail or if it's, it's healthcare, then we use a lot of demographics. Um, and if it's, let's say that they're investing in real estate, 
then we can look at the the property and do a peer-to-peer report. See, how is that property operating compared to its competitors that are competing for the same tenants? Uh, what are the trends on rental rates and occupancy for that property and for its peers and for its submarket? And, you know, we're also licensed in nine states, and we end up doing business in a lot of different states. So we found it very important to invest the money to have that type of information because we deal with some very successful people, very smart people, and they need facts. They need things that they can back up their decisions. So if we have the right information and we can share it with them, then we're not just telling them what to do on a hunch, you know. We're showing them the support. We're giving them supporting documents about this is why we're recommending you do this. Mm. So you're in nine states now. Mm-hmm. What do you plan for the future of Bull Realty? You know, we want to keep growing um, slowly, uh, adding quality people, adding key people that uh, share the type of you know integrity and practice that we do. Uh, we have about 15 staff. Uh, we have about 30 brokers. Uh, each of them specialize in one sector so that they understand that sector very well, and that's all they do. Uh, so they add more value to the to the cl- our clients. And uh, we plan to add about 20 more brokers, uh, hopefully over the next 24 months. And, um, you know, from there we see, we see what happens. So uh, we'd like to get to 20 more brokers and then the, whatever appropriate staff that we add. Um, you know, I may look at uh, acquiring some other companies if I find the or, or merge if I find the right company that has the right culture. It's a little difficult. You know, our business can be a little bit of of um, a culture where people are competing in the same office, doing the same thing, um, and it kind of be an unpleasant environment. You know, we've started to have environment that you want to work in that people are sharing and working together to, to help everyone in the office and help the clients. You know, if the, I've told my staff and my agents, you know, look, if it's not pleasant to work here, uh, beware because I'll be gone. I mean, I, <laughs> I can do commercial real estate services in any state, in any, anywhere. Uh, I think I can take over a lot of market share very quickly because I know how to do it. Um, and um, so if it's not pleasant, I'm going to be out of here. And you guys are not going to have me. Uh, so we we tell our employees up front. I, I had an employee come in one time that I told to look, and I tell them all, employees and agents, if you're not a pleasant person to work with and not helpful and positive, don't accept the position here because you will not last. Well, we had a, an accountant that had been uh, working at one of our friends in the industry uh, firm, um, big company, well-known for three years. She started with us. About two weeks in, I walked in and so remember what I told you about being pleasant and good person to work around, being positive? She said, yeah. I said, you know what's coming next? She said, yes. You're going to ask me to leave, aren't you? I said, yeah. She says, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, she, she knew that she was mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she just wasn't pleasant. You know, and I don't want an environment for my employees <laughs> and my agents that's not fun and not positive. Like our office, we have... We have a game room, you know, with a pool table and a, and a ping pong table and dartboard. You know, we have a coffee shop that's open and faces a studio. We have a lounge. Um, we have pods. We don't have workstations. We have these cool pods. And, you know, so when, when you walk in, it just it feels good. There's good people and a good environment. 
Do you have a particular system or process that you use for figuring out who has the right cultural fit for your company? You know, that's always tough. I think, you know, I've used uh, something called Omnia, um, which does uh, kind of an online uh, testing. Um, we've, we use that. Um, and and I, I do more of the hiring for the brokers, for the agents. And then someone else in my company helps, and I'm involved, but, but they do more of the, of the employees. Um, and they do a great job with that and have created a great culture. Um, I'm probably a better uh, broker to help uh, clients and agents build their business. And I found, you know, there's other people that are better at managing and running a company than me and, and handling employees. You know, so, you know, we have other people that do that. Um, but we assess them as much as we can. And then, you know, like I said, let them know <laughs> because they're not going to last. Mm. So we, but it, we have fun people and it's a great place to, to do business. Mm. Do you still do deals? I do. I keep uh, usually one client at a time personally. So one company that I'm helping them with their space or, or one property uh, that I'm selling. Uh, but I'm always helping clients and brokers um, every day with all of our deals. You know, my mission every day is to help our clients be successful and to help our agents be successful. And so, you know, that is my daily mission. So I'm involved in, in helping them uh, win assignments, close assignments, uh, and helping our clients uh, make the right moves and be successful. So I'm involved in a lot of the transactions, especially the larger ones. So we do everything from you know, $25 million, we're selling a $25 million medical building now uh, that's in uh, Chicago. Uh, and then we do deals down to small properties around Atlanta where you might see our signs on the streets. And then we help tenants from, you know, 2,000 square feet to, to 80,000 square feet. So, um, you know, the larger the deal, or if there's a challenge and, and any any client needs some help, then, then I'm there to do that. Mm. And as you uh, kind of look at, the future of the company. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, how you're going to progress or exit strategy or what's the, yeah, what are your thoughts on how you, you know, the the, the future of the company? Yeah, I think uh, at some point I would like uh, in my perfect world, and, and a guy asked me this the other day, in your perfect world, you know, where are you, you know, in three years? I'm an agent at Bull Realty <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not running the company uh, and I'm an agent and I'm I have clients that I work with and I have, I had two assistants that maybe work for me uh, full-time, uh, one doing transaction management, one doing business development. And I'm an agent, and you know, the company keeps growing. And uh, whether it grows uh, with the people we have or we bring in other uh, mergers or whatever, that it keeps growing. You know, one of my, my strong suits is, is helping companies and uh, clients and brokers be successful. We do a, I do a lot of training and speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke at the National Association of Realtors Conference last week in San Diego. Um, I'm, I'm, pay, I'm speaking at um, a conference next month um, in Oklahoma City. Um, I'm speaking at a conference. I spoke here in Atlanta yesterday. I'm speaking at one in, in um, uh, where is that, in Birmingham next, next month. Um, so I, I do real lot of training. I'm writing a book right now. So What's if, the name of the book? I haven't uh, let out the name yet. Okay. <laughs> I hope to have it ready by the end of the year. Um, so it, depending on who we grow with and who we merge with, you know, I have certain things I can do that uh, I'm probably better at and enjoy more. Um, you know, I'm not a good babysitter. I'm not a good sales manager. You know, we probably need to get a sales manager here soon to, because I, I expect people to show them what to do, how to do it, 
show them what the results will be. But if they don't want to do it, I don't want to babysit them, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you can't change grown men and grown women. They they don't <laughs> do what they do, right? So, um, you know, uh, but so I may we may sell some training one day. Uh, I may continue to do to speak um, and and grow that part because that helps our business and our clients. And great. So you know, as uh, people think about um, you and your book, when can they look for it, and where can they look for it? I guess they could look at our, our website at bullrealty.com because when the book's out, you know, we'll have it available there and other places. Um, and I would assume the book would be ready by um, November of this coming year, uh, 2016. So um, uh, that's how I would look for it. Great. Thank you so much for a wonderful show, Michael. It's been great having you. And if people want to get in touch with you to find out more about anything that they've heard, how can they do that? They can just go to our, our firm's website, bullrealty.com, and our contact information's there, email, phone number, and everything. And then you also have your own show, right? Yep. Where yep. where where can people listen to that if they'd like to? They can go to commercialrealestateshow.com. Uh, just Google commercial real estate show, or the short URL is um, CRE, CREshow.com. Great. And it's on um, iTunes and YouTube and Podomatic and um, so and commercialrealestateshow.com. It's on 47 radio stations around the country. Wonderful. Thanks for being here. Great. Thank you for having me. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.